This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building of the Bank in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delancey.elam.co.uk. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 1. Everyone good this morning? You are well? Are you smile at the person next to you? It's always, it's always nice to preach to smiling people. Nothing worse. Than... Yeah. <laughs> okay, 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, last few weeks I've been talking about passion for Jesus. and I kind of think this verse, it may not seem relative to that, but I think it's very much connected with it. I want to talk about having a relationship with God because we can never really have passion for Jesus unless we have a really good, vibrant relationship with God. Is that true? You can't create it. You can't manufacture it. It really comes out of relationship. So the more relationship we have with, with him, the more passion we're going to have for Jesus. Isn't that what it's all about? It's all about having passion for Jesus. So I want to read this one verse, I think, so, and we're going to look at just the, the one word, if you like, and kind of, kind of develop that. But 1 Corinthians 1, nine. this has been on my heart all week. God is faithful. How many glad God's faithful? I know it ought to be in your heart. God's faithful. We always never lose sight of his faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. By whom you were called, so we've been called into something. We have to talk about our calling. This is one thing we've been called into. We've been called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Really, Christianity, in essence, if I use that term, is all about relationship. Is that true? Because religion really is about what we do, about outward activity, but true Christianity, in its essence, is about relationship. Being truly related to God. And really, that should be our priority, really. Our priority should be relationship with God. And we agree with that. And it's amazing that out of that relationship, everything else works. Everything is connected to my relationship with God. How many have found that that ultimately affects your relationship with other people? Is that true? If I'm like really in that right place with God, how many have found that sometimes it affects my relationship with those closest to me? Every relationship is affected often with our relationship with God. Sometimes if we're not really truly in that right place with God, we maybe aren't really relating to those as we should be. You know, we, the compassion isn't maybe there as it should be. The patience isn't there. That's true. And all the, the vital ingredients that make a really good, healthy relationship really come from our relationship with God. And so that has to be our priority because out of everything we do, ultimately speaking, will come out of our relationship with God. So notice what this verse already declares. It speaks about fellowship with God. Everything connects from this very thing. Do you know God created the human spirit with certain longings? One thing we do in, when, we, when we do marriage courses, often we do the marriage courses, one of the things you do, one of the, one of the sessions there, is learning to, to meet 
various needs of our partners. What I mean by that is that as human beings, in the human heart, there are various needs in the human heart. We all need, for example, affirmation. Yeah, true. Don't you like to be affirmed? Yeah. We all like to, 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 to you know, feel encouraging words. We like to have affection. And so all these things are vital in a marriage relationship. And one of the things we talk, we talk about the love language. And often, the, often we find that often people have different needs to what the other partner has. Now, for instance, one person, they might, their, their top one might be affirmation. They love to be affirmed. Others, maybe they love the affection. They love that part of it. And so it's important as couples that, that, that those needs are met within that marriage relationship. Because if those needs are not met, it creates a vacuum. The emotional needs are not met. That person has a vacuum inside their hearts. So it's important those needs are met. Now, in our relationship with God, our spirit, our hearts, have certain longings. I write down some of the longings of the human heart, the human spirit. There's a longing to be enjoyed by God. In the human heart, there's a longing that we would be enjoyed by God. Not endured by God, but actually enjoyed by God. How many realise that God really enjoys you? He delights in you. And that is something that the human heart yearns to feel. We yearn to, we, we long to be fascinated. That's a great thing, that, that we become fascinated by Jesus. We, we're, we're in awe of him. We're, we're just fascinated by all, his, all the various facets of his character. Fascinate us. And that's a, a longing of the human heart to be fascinated. There's a, there's a need of the human heart to be beautiful. Now, I don't mean outwardly, but something in our heart says, I'm really beautiful within. You know what I mean? That sense to feel beautiful. That someone... Loves me. Someone appreciates me as I am. That sense of feeling beautiful. Here's one that we may not understand. The longing to be great. Do you know that's a biblical term? Jesus said, he talked about what being great in the kingdom. And he says, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. And there's that longing in our hearts to feel great in kingdom. I think there's a, there's a longing for intimacy without shame. The longing to be wholehearted. The longing to feel significant. Every human heart likes to feel that they are significant. That their life is significant. It's making a difference at some part. Is that true? Now, all those longings of the human heart can only be fully fulfilled in a relationship with Jesus. Without a relationship with him and having those longings met, there's a sense of emptiness inside our hearts. There's a sense of something somewhere is missing. And we, and we become dissatisfied. And the danger is that when our hearts are dissatisfied, when those longings are not met in a relationship with him, we then try, we then try to find those longings met in other things. Rather than allowing them to be met in our relationship with him. So what Jesus wants above all else is for us to have fellowship with him. Because out of that fellowship with him, the longings of the human heart are met. And I love this sense that he's inviting us in to relationship with him. Now, this word fellowship here that we find in in Corinthians 1 verse 9 is the Greek word kaiona. 
And that's what I want us to think about, because that word has incredible, powerful significance. The Greek word, kaiona. And it really reveals what fellowship is all about. Here's the first thing, what that word means. It means, first of all, participation. To have fellowship with God means you participate with him. In other words, we are called to fellowship by participating with God. Isn't that wonderful? That every time I evangelize, I'm participating with God. When I pray for the sick, it's joint participation. And when you participate, participate with what God is doing, that is a level of fellowship that we are called to. We're not doing our thing or doing our ideas or our ways. The goal is to participate with what God is doing. The great revivalist Jonathan Edwards said this. He says, it's the job of every generation to know what God is doing and then to move with what he's doing. We move with what God is doing. We don't move with what uh, we're doing. I mean, you can see that. And so it, there's this participation. We're participating with him. That means that we learn to hear what he's saying. We learn to follow and obey the promptings of his spirit. I heard a great story. Someone in Guernsey actually a great story where she just felt a house, just a number of a house. The, she had the number of the house and the road of the house. And she didn't know the person, didn't know anything about the people who lived there, but she felt a very strong prompting and a very strong impression to go to that house and take food to the house. And that went on for days. And eventually she kind of obeyed the prompters, turned up to this house, didn't know who the person was, who was behind the door, what it was, took food to the house. And this person said this, you know what, she said, I've just been praying that if God's real, he would send someone to my door with food. And through that, this incredible openness came. How awesome. You see, that is someone participating with what God is doing. And when we learn those things, it's amazing what God can do. So part of fellowship, number one, is participation. Second thing is this. The word kion also means to have things in common. Do you know, we have things that are in common with God. For example, we have God's nature. We have that in common with God. Isn't that awesome? That you have that in common with God. And I think when we lose sight of the things that we have in common with God, we begin to distort our fellowship with him. See, the Bible says the one thing we have in common with him is the fact that we have his righteousness. It's not a righteousness of your own, you realize that your righteousness is not yours, but it is his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might receive what? The righteousness of God. And unless we learn to live with that in common, then we live often out of guilt and condemnation, which begins to distort fellowship. You can't have true fellowship with God if you're full of guilt and condemnation. I mean, realize that. Until you realize, I have something in common with God. I have his righteousness. Everybody's ever thought about this having in common with God, that you have his inheritance. What does the Bible say? We are joint 
heirs, that's a half one for Birmingham person, sorry. We are joint heirs with God. We're joint heirs with him. Isn't that awesome? In other words, our identity has to come from realising what we have in common with God. Your identity really is not what people say about you, it's not your experience, it's not your circumstances. Your true identity is learning what God says about you, is who you truly are. And there's the problem so often. That we, are, we think by what we do will cause us to gain our identity. If I do these things, then that will cause me to find my identity. Your identity is not found in who you are, what you do. It's realising who you are in God. I don't work or do things for God to be accepted by God. I'm accepted by God, and because I know I'm accepted by God, it's out of that realisation of his acceptance, I begin to minister and do the things he wants me to do. But it has to begin with knowing I'm accepted in the Beloved. And out of that acceptance, I begin to minister and do the things he's called me to do. And that's fellowship. Realising the things that I have in common with God. His righteousness, his inheritance, his acceptance. And I begin to realise that. How many realise I also have his victory in common? His victory has become my victory. So I begin to see the, the things I have in common with God. And the more I realise that, the more I gain true identity of who I really am. I think having things in common also means this. It means to love what he loves. You know, the thing about fellowship is this, that, that out, of, out of that common bond that you begin to, you as, a, as in your relationships, you begin to have the same desires. You have the same common interest, if I use that word. And out of that, those common things... Fellowship is developed. And it's the same with God. True fellowship with God is I get to the point where I begin to love what he loves. And I learn to hate what he hates. I love the things that he loves. The affections of my heart is moved by the things that affect his heart. And I'm moved because I have these things in common with him. The third meaning of this word, kaiona, and this is one I like. I like this one. We actually are in partnership with God. Isn't that awesome? You are God's partner. I love it. Look at again 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9. This is that. What a promise. This is, I just love this promise as other things we could look at. But let me just look at this phrase here. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. It says, For we are God's fellow workers. I love it. We are God's fellow workers. It's having the revelation that we are in partnership with God. And we never ought to let go. God, I'm your partner. I'm working with you. We're, we're partners together in the kingdom. Ain't that wonderful? It's interesting that when Jesus, remember Peter says, God, they caught no fish from that story. And Jesus says, cast your net on the side. The other side. And Peter says, Lord, we fished all night and we haven't caught one thing. But nevertheless, at your word, we'll cast the net. Jesus didn't say to him, I'll tell you what, Peter, give me your net and I'll go and catch the fish. You only realise that. He didn't do that, did he? He says, Peter, if you do what I say and you partner with me, we're going to see a great catch together. Isn't that wonderful? 
When Jesus fed the 5,000, the Bible says he took the bread and he broke it. You know what he did next? He gave it to his disciples and says, you feed the people. And as they began to feed the people, a miracle happened within their hands. What was that? That was a partnership. He never went around just doing it. He, he gave it to them to partner with him. And I want to get a hold of this. Often when we obey what God tells us to do, sometimes we're waiting for God to do something. But often it's out of our obedience, we begin to step out and we witness to someone. And Jesus says, if you would obey me and witness, then my power will be with you to bring that about. Lord, I want to bless someone, but I don't have the resources. If you step out and begin to bless someone, then the resources begin to be manifested. It's as we step out, it's as we obey, it's as we do what he tells us to do, then his resources, his power are made available. Sometimes we're waiting for God to do something. God says, you step out and I will cause my power, my presence to go with you to help you because we are I won't do it all I give you the privilege of partnering with me out of fellowship you partner with me out of fellowship it says if you would lay hands on the sick that will cause my power to flow I found this often the people who achieve most are not those necessarily with the greatest gifts or most gifts but those who use what they have. Look at this great verse in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Here's a kind of encouragement to us, really. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 tells us some great words of encouragement. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. When you get up tomorrow, okay, when you go about, when you're, when you're in the marketplace or go about whatever you're doing, just realise today that I am in the work of the Lord. Whatever that is, I'm in the work of the Lord. I'm partnering with him in this work he has enabled me to do. Amen. And I'm going to be in that place, that marketplace, wherever it is, I'm there by divine appointment. I mean, you've seen that, you know, the, your Kellogg's, you know, by divine appointment. No, by royal appointment, sorry. When you're about the king's business, you are there by divine appointment. Isn't that wonderful? Partnering with him. Now go John 14, verse 20, because I want you to see some power, because part of partnering with him is this powerful truth. I used to read this verse, and it's one of these verses I used to, used to drive me mad. I'd read this verse, and this verse would just drive me absolutely crazy. I could never get it. I could never kind of get a hold of this verse, because it just somehow, it's one of these verses, what does that mean? How how does that happen? John 14, verse 20. And at that day you will know that I'm in the Father, you in me, and I in you. You I mean, mean, that's a kind of a mind-boggling verse. I'm in the Father, I'm in you, and you're in me. In other words, that partnership really, it means that, that we have this incredible union with God. He's in me and I'm in him. There's this awesome power of unity. And Jesus operated with, on this very realm. He says, me 
and the Father are one. I work out of my unity and my oneness with the Father. Whatever the Father tells me to do, I do. Whatever the Father tells me to say, I say. I'm submitted totally and completely to the Father's will. I'm in union. I'm in oneness with the Father. And as I and the Father are one, so we need to realise that us and him are one. That oneness, that coming together. And what Jesus says, the moment you are saved, I'm in you and you are in me. Partnership. So see how deep this is. He says, you're the branches and I'm the vine. How many would, when you look at it, how many know the branches aren't separate, but in a sense they are. They're, they're the part of the vine, aren't they? They're connected to the vine. Well, Jesus puts it this way. He says, I'm the head, you're the body. And what he's talking about is this unity, this oneness together, which is different to, for example, my oneness in my shirt. You know, me and this shirt are kind of one, but not really one. But you know what? Me and my thumb are one. And we realize, you know, I'm, my thumb is part of me, big time, more than my shirt is part of me. And as long as this thumb stays connected to this body, it can do amazing things. You know, you can press the doorbell. So, yeah, awesome. You know, your, your thumb can, you know, you can do all kinds of things. As your brain gives it kind of, tells you what to do, your thumb responds because it's part of the body. It's one with the body. The thumb doesn't say, I'll tell you what, I'm going to just do my own things. Is that right? You know, I'm, I'm going to go and slap Gareth. You know, it, it doesn't happen that way, you know. It, it, it's connected to the rest of my body. It responds to the head because it's connected to the head. It's a oneness. It's a unity with that. And Jesus says the branches are like that with the vine. He says if the branch becomes disconnected, it can't bear fruit. But as long as that branch stays connected to the vine, it bears much fruit. Out of its oneness, out of its fellowship, if you like, the sap goes through the branches and the branches bear much fruit. Not because the branch is anything special, but because the branch is connected to the vine. It's one with the vine. So everything that we do really is all about our connection. And Jesus says, you can love with my love because you're connected to me. You can have my joy because you're connected to me. You can have my peace because you are connected to me. You can have my power, not because of you, but because you are connected to me. And out of me, my life will flow out of me into you because you and I are what? One together. Isn't that awesome? Partnership. A few years ago, I remember... I was at school, and I, I, I did this amazing long jump, and I was pretty impressed with it. And I, for some reason, I just stood there. I, I just stood there, while well, kneeling there, appreciating this jump. I just stood there for ages. I thought, wow, that's amazing. How did I do that? That was amazing. And then this, and this other guy, who thought I by now had gone, just kept running. He just ran and jumped right on top of me. The end result was I broke my collarbone and disconnected my shoulder. That was the result of it. You know, I don't know if you ever broke your collarbone. I disconnected it. And the point was, no matter how much I'd love to have done it, I just couldn't lift my shoulder up. 
It was disconnected. It broken. I, I just couldn't do it. You know, my mind would want to lift, but I just couldn't do it. It just there's no connection there. No matter how hard I tried, it wasn't connecting. But months and months later, the bone began to knit together, and every, all everything came into into the right place. Suddenly, I can do it. Suddenly, it happens because now connection has been established, and it's the same with Jesus. The moment we are connected to Him, then He can do incredible things through us. What's the problem? How come at times we feel defeated? How come at times we feel overwhelmed and overcome? How come at times we're not living the life we know we should be living before God? How come when we look at our lives it often is short of what we know, the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live? Why is that? Because the connection has been severed. Certain things have broken the unity. For example, unbelief hinders the connection. Unforgiveness hinders the, hinders, the, hinders the connection. Lack of love. So there's certain things that we can do that begin to hinder and break the connection. There can be emotional things that break the connections. Hurts, wounds. That stuff inside us can begin to disable and break the connection down. And the goal of the Christian life really is to make sure that we live a life that is truly and powerfully and completely connected to Jesus. And as long as I'm connected to him, as long as I'm living in that oneness and that unity with him, then I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to be a person full of love and full of peace, full of joy, as long as I keep the connection right. Amen. Here's the last one, the fourth one. And that, the fourth one is... Intimacy. Let me just say this. I wrote this down because I thought it was powerful. I think the secret of prayer I've discovered is not something I do, but it's someone I keep in constant contact with. I used to think prayer was something I did. But now I've realised it's me daily, moment by moment, keeping contact with him. And so I've got to keep my communion. I've got to keep the fellowship through worship and prayer and the word that's all about maintaining fellowship and contact with him. Connecting with him. And the last part of fellowship, which is, I suppose is the deepest form of fellowship, is intimacy. The word fellowship also means intimacy. And I found this, the word presence actually, in the Hebrew actually means, I tell you how powerful it means, it means face to face. Intimacy is all about being Face to face with God. That's the deepest level of fellowship. Intimacy is where I'm transparent with him. Intimacy is where I encounter him. Intimacy is a place where I fix my eyes on Jesus and let my attention be, be focused on him. It's a place I've found in intimacy where I gaze on the emotions of God. I gaze on his goodness. I gaze on his love. I gaze on his kindness. I gaze on his, on his extravagance. It's a place where I'm awestruck and I'm captivated by Jesus. And it's a place where God begins to manifest his presence. What's it about? Intimacies where I just spend time with him. It's not even about me bringing my agenda. It's about me saying, Jesus, I just want to be with you. In fact, the greatest level of intimacy is worship. 
Worship brings you into the highest level of intimacy. You can't have real intimacy without true, heartfelt worship. And I love it. I love those moments and you just abandon yourself and you just worship him. And you pour your heart out to him. And after you've worshipped him, you say, Lord, this is what's really on my heart. And you're transparent and you open your heart to him. And out of that intimacy, fellowship is established. Amen. Now let me kind of land this by saying this. Out of these things, participation, partnership, things in common, intimacy, there are certain things that are produced by a person who learns to have true fellowship with God. Let me think some of the things you have. One of the things that I come, one of the things that comes from fellowship is this, that we begin to appropriate power. Look at Ephesians 3 verse 20. Ephesians 3 verse 20. I just love this verse. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly above what we imagine or what we think. Notice this. According to the power that's at work in us. See, it's all according and connected to the power that is at work in us. I love it. In other words, through fellowship, I begin to experience the power of God. And the power that God wants me to encounter and experience is not just for me. It's not just for me to feel good. The power that God wants me to encounter and experience is power to set captives free. It's power that the gospel might go forth. It becomes a lifestyle of a New Testament believer. The only way we're going to live a lifestyle of a New Testament believer is by the power of God flowing towards us. I've learned this. We're not trying to convince God to release his power. I think often God's trying to convince us. He's trying to convince us the kind of power that he's made available to us. And he wants to give us the fullness of power for this generation. But he knows this. It's only a people who've learned the secret of fellowship that can truly know the power of the living God. There, don't worry. It's only those who are intimate with him that can know his power. Here's the next thing, very quickly. I think through fellowship, it brings transformation. The more I learn to have true fellowship with God, I learn to, to partner with him, I learn to have an intimacy with him, I learn to participate with him. As I learn those things, the end result will be I'll be changed. I'll be totally transformed. There'll be a radical transformation. I'll increase in passion. I'll increase with a love for the lost. I'll increase with a new desire for worship. Because out of my fellowship comes about awesome, amazing transformation. Let me close with this last one. Out of fellowship, 
you come to know God in a greater way. Look at Daniel chapter 11. Daniel 11 verse 32. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. This is really one of the great benefits of fellowship. Daniel 11:32. Listen to what he says. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he will cluck with flattery. Here's the phrase we're to see. But the people who know their God, the word know means to be intimately acquainted with. Those who are intimately acquainted with God, should we say through fellowship, number one, they're going to be strong. And number two, they will carry out great exploits. The more you know him, the more you love him. And the more you love him, the more that you'll become a loving person. And you can see that. Because as I begin to know him, then what he is like, I become like it. One of the great verses in 1 John says this. It says that, it's powerful. It says that, it says when we see him, it says we will be what? Like him. How powerful. The, the more I begin to know him, the more I begin to be like him. Now let me ask you this question. Can you believe that God is all powerful and almighty? Really, how do I get a hold of that revelation? How do I really know how powerful and how mighty, how great he is? It's out of my fellowship with him. The more I fellowship with him, the more I get a revelation of how great and how powerful and how unlimited he is. If my fellowship with him is kind of weak and not very strong, then I'll never really get a true revelation of how powerful he is. And my heart will be always filled with unbelief because I've never really understood. Never a true revelation of how great, how powerful, how mighty he is. The song that we, I think we, we've been singing, I think we sing it sometimes, we sang it this Friday actually. It's called the God of Miracles. I love it. He's the God of Miracles. I wonder if believers, whether we, I know we can know it in our heads, but right down in our hearts, I only believe he's the God of Miracles. I think the enemy wants to kind of block our understanding that he is truly the God of Miracles. It's only out of my knowledge of him. The more I know him, the more I realize he's the God of Miracles. It comes out of my fellowship with him. It comes out of my understanding of who he is. And the more I know him, the more of his power I'm going to understand and know. I think the only limitation God has is our belief in his power. And when you really know who he is, I think the result is this. That you begin to have high expectations of what God will do. Think about it in your own life. When you lose fellowship with him, you know what else you begin to lose? You lose expectation of what he can do. The closer you get to him, the higher your expectations come of what he can do. I just love this phrase. Fellowship with God. Partner with him. Participate with him. Be intimate with him. And out of that will come the power. Out of that will come transformation. 
Out of that will come an increasing heart understanding and a true knowledge of who God truly is. And out of that will come great exploits. And you won't feel weak. You won't feel out of calm because those that know their God shall be what? Strong. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will rise up like eagles because they know him. And because they're in fellowship with him, his strength becomes made perfect in weakness. Let's stand before him right now. Let's open our hearts to him today. Let me open your heart to him right now in these moments. And God's calling each of us into fellowship with the Son. The great cry of the Apostle Paul is I might know him more and more and more. Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Isn't that awesome? That's the cry of the great Apostle. And that's the cry of the heart that he's going to connect with and touch. It's just the cry in your heart says, Lord, it's wonderful what I have right now. But I want to know you more. I want to fellowship with you more. I don't want to be disconnected. Ask yourself right now, is there anything in your heart, anything in your life that's a blockage? Is anything causing the disconnection to be broken? And begin right now say, Lord, today, is there anything in my heart? Search my heart today. Is there anything that's affecting that unity is there anything that's affecting that oneness together would you show me anything that's causing me to be disconnected with you anything that's breaking the connection Lord please this morning I want to connect with you today I want to know Jesus I want to be one with him I want him to be in me and me to be in him Wonderful. He's the vine, I'm the branch. He's the head, I'm the body. Connected to Jesus. His love wants to flow into you. His power wants to flow into you. His peace wants to flow into you. His joy wants to flow into you. His strength wants to flow into you. It's there. You just got to connect. You just got to open your heart and let every war, every barrier just come down. And let his love and his mercy and his strength and his power flood into your life right now. Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord right now. Say, Lord Jesus, today, flow into my life today. Flow into my life. I want your strength. I want your power. There's a broken world that needs to see you, Lord. There's a broken world that needs to see your love and your power. And I refuse to live in a powerless condition. I want to live with your power and your anointing flowing through me. Lord, let your anointing flow in me, Lord. Let your anointing, your power, your love, your grace, your mercy, your strength. Come on, lift your hands to him right now. Call on him right now. Say, flow in me, Jesus. Flow in me. Flow in me. You're the vine, I'm the branch. Flow in me as never before, Lord. Use me. Use me. Use my hands. Use my mind. Use Use everything about my life, Lord. I present my body to you as a living sacrifice. I present it to you right now in Jesus' name. Flow in me, Holy Spirit. Flow in me as never before. A vehicle, a vessel of honor for your glory today. Lord, we come to you today, God. Thank you today that we're not left alone to do your work. 
Thank you, Lord, that you've not left us just to do our thing. But we thank you for the high privilege we have today of being your partner in the harvest. We're your partners, Lord. Thank you today for this incredible truth that we're partners with God. And Lord, we thank you today, Lord, that you are able to do it even amazingly abundantly according to the power that's at work within us. And Lord, today I pray let your power work in us as never before, oh God. I pray you'd raise us up as a generation of your people today that will impact and touch this island with your power, with your love, with your, with your joy, with your peace, with your power, God, today. We want to touch a broken, hurting generation. And we can't do it in our power. We can't do it in our strength. God, we need your anointing today. So I pray let the anointing, let the power of your spirit today flow in us we fellowship with you the father and the son and the holy spirit flow into us as never before we pray not for our glory but god we say let it be for your glory because we ask it in the mighty name of jesus hallelujah if you need prayer this morning we'd love to pray for you if you need healing or you need a touch from god on your life today just as we worship we'd just love to pray for you as we close today so just come forward if you need prayer this morning we'd love to pray for you Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.